LOI Weekly episode 12 is upon us and you're very welcome to the show. We are hashtag LOI Weekly. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Podcast Republic. And uh, thanks for listening so far. We're now just heading into the second round of games, as in the second third of games with Cork in an apparently uh, unassailable lead at the top of the SSC Electricity Premier Division. And whether anyone can catch them now, I, th- I think they're basically uh, home and hose, it would seem. But in any event, uh, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, Daniel McDonnell, very welcome as ever. Thanks, Johnny. Means a lot. I doubt that. And uh, actually, this came into my head earlier on for some reason. It was, it was a poem I learned in school. But it was like, now that my ladder is gone, I must lie down where all the ladders start in the foul rag and bone shop of the heart. Because Jamie Lynch, you were here right at the start. <laughs> I was indeed. Yeah. And <laughs> Foul Rag and Bone came in as well. I don't know when I heard it. What a brilliant it. intro. Love it. It's uh, the Circus Animals Desertion by Yates. Did you do that in school? Did you? No. 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 You didn't do Yates, did you? No, I don't, I don't think so. I can't Dame, remember. you would have done Yates. Uh, yeah, one of my favourites. Were you into the old poetry? Not necessarily, no. 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 You do sound a little bit under the weather. Yeah, struggling with the man flu this mm. week. But uh, Not the weather for it either. No, got it the weekend, devastated, so uh, yeah, could have done without it. How are things in Google? How are you keeping? We haven't seen you in about three weeks. Five, five weeks. Five weeks, five yeah. Weeks. Five, five weeks. Yeah. I think uh, the last one was myself and Stevie on, and I seem to have uh, upset a few people about saying that Bowes should be finished with, and uh, we should just get on with getting this one Dublin club, or two Dublin clubs up and running, but um, I'll stick by it. Who, um, had, who had it the demo would be like 30 seconds before he mentioned his county mm, bow mm. scheme? We have a mutual friend who was really annoyed about this. Oh, like, I mean, really annoyed. Yeah. Really, I mean, have you backtracked? I mean, it's, it's Bowes Rovers Derby week. Like, this is a, yeah. this is a, a week when like, the tensions are raw enough as football, it is. Like, I can't wait to see. The, like, the crowds we're expecting is unbelievable. Oh God, he's, you know? off, he's off already. But anyway, he's anyway, off already. anyway. We have uh, uh, Stephen Henderson, uh, one of the characters of the league, and Johnny Dunleavy, one of the stars of the Cork City team, uh, will be on presently. And we'll just get through the... Results as well from last week initially, and we can talk about the games that we were at, because I think we have a nice spread of, of action here. Derry beat Bowes 2-0, seemed very comfortable. Uh, Shamrock Rovers beat Dundalk 2-1, also seemed very comfortable. Drogheda United 2-all versus Galway, a lot of late drama there. Cork City 5, Finn Harps, I think he only had 4 on the bench, nil, and uh, a lot of banter there on the sideline between Ollie Horgan and John Caulfield as well. Bray against Pats, I think we've uh, demo to talk about that one. Are you were you you were in that Rovers game? Rovers and Are you in the Rovers yeah. game? Because thinking about producer Chris was at Bray and Pats, but I mean he's given us. He can give us kind of sign language. Um, Sligo <laughs> Rovers three Limerick nil, uh, a quite remarkable result Great on result, Saturday yeah. night. And another game I had the pleasure to be at was the first nil all draw of the whole season in the Premier Division. That's such an interesting stat, isn't it? I heard that. Yeah. It is really unusual though in the context of. Things are going to be tight and everyone wants to avoid going down. But yet we've still managed to get this far without the scoreless draw. And one club that I'm not sure has had many scoreless draws this season is at Lone Town. Dan, we talked about it last week. It's been in all of the papers. Um, I think Le Butz was interviewed in a Sunday paper, was he? Sunday World, the, the keeper, yeah. yeah. He, was, he was doing a shopping. Um, he was doing a shopping when they doorstepped him or shop stepped him a good kind of. old doorstep no no it was, he was at his door as opposed to the shop so I think it was a doorstep he was going back to the house have uh, you met him no no I haven't no, have I you haven't. met any of the loan players no I haven't had the pleasure no I haven't um, what can you tell us about well I think you know with the proviso that by the time you listen to this something may have developed as well potentially may have happened and this is the thing it's 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 a, in some ways it's still difficult to discuss the, the, the minutiae of the case 
and I say the word case actually, which is possibly the wrong word to use, because actually the FBI have just conducted some interviews and they have to decide whether they're going to press forward with uh, charges. I mean, th w there's a lot of terms being thrown around here and involvement of outside forces and so on, but what has actually happened so far is that the FBI are trying to figure out if any breaches of their rules have occurred and they've interviewed every member of the squad and, and various members of officials and support staff uh, over the Monday and Tuesday of this week. Uh, it's obviously Wednesday evening as we record this now. Um, and yeah, we are waiting to see what happens next. And it, it, it's, it's a difficult one, you know, trying to get a handle on what the tone of the interviews was. Um, it is still very much focused on one game and the game against Longford on the 29th of April. And uh, I think the players faced a series of questions about, you know, what happened on that game, you know, in that game, what happened around it, the build-up, who just sit next in the dressing room, and 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 this type of thing. So I, I I'm uh, I'm almost a sort of a, a slave here to being sort of to fortune in a sense of well, what what could happen after we speak here and, and stuff comes out and people are listening to us on Friday going, well, we all know what's happened. Um, but it, what's the protocol then? Like, is it well, is it the FAI have to say that something went wrong? Then f with the the FAI, yeah, the FAI would have to say uh, after our interviews, and I, like, I assume that their investigation goes beyond the interviews. It's not just that there's yeah. other stuff going on, and they then have to decide. Yeah, we are charging you with this, 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 and this, or whatever. But um, I, I'm just not 100 percent convinced um, that they have the body of stuff there at the moment to do that but uh, who knows they may well have other information that we're not privy to at this point and once we're not privy to it it's hard to speculate sort of idly about these things you know um, they did win on Friday got to give a big mention to Chris Rodriguez who got a, two goals and one of them was a beautiful free kick amidst all the history about what's going on there the fact that the players uh, got on with the job to beat but were the table toppers in Cove Ramblers was a laudable thing, Dan, really. It shouldn't be uh, let go of this. It is, and you know. we'll see what happens. We've got Roddy Collins waiting in the wings. Is, is Roddy going to get the job? I think so, yeah. That's, gonna, that's, that's the plan. Uh, from what I can understand, it's, it's, it's imminent. Just see how this whole thing plays itself out and then Roddy coming back in. So um, that, that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, it's Roddy's been quiet for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah, a matter of months. Yeah, yeah so um, he's, he's certainly someone who... who He's not going to be a low-profile uh, appointment, but uh, uh, so so, and I think that will obviously cast out on all the, the 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 overseas players anyway. And and like Roddy's someone who tends to go to a club and sort of bring in his own men, and 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 you would expect that would be the case. And do you long. know the nature of any of these lads? Are they on long-term contracts or are they on? Um, from what I can gather, the the. Uh, I mean, you you have the seven pros who are the seven sort of overseas. And lads. are they full time? Uh, they are full time. I gather one of them. I think the Uruguayan striker is on a reasonably good contract, from what I can gather. Um, I think the others are on a d are on deals, which sort of covers, you know, the food, the sort of accommodation stuff is is paid for, and um, you know, they're you know they're they're not wanting for much in terms of. You know, they're not getting other jobs or anything like that. They are sort of full time pros, I guess. But I mean, I'm I'm not saying that they're going to be earning uh, earning huge money, sort of in terms of their contract. So like, it's it's. 
I, I don't know that sometimes in football it can be easy to come in and, and you know people leave in the window and you can do deals for people to go I don't know we're sort of we're veering into a topic here that we're not sure while you're there happen. actually though what's, what's happening with the Limerick jobs you know so you mentioned Roddy have you heard Anthony Demo as well not at the moment I'd be surprised if they didn't just stick with what they have yeah results, they, you know oh god yeah there's it's been a bit topsy-turvy for Bowling as well. They've had kind of good and bad results. Though last week was bad because mm. actually they've been pretty solid. Up to that, they were excellent results, yeah. weren't they? They, yeah. they drew against Galway, which they should have won, and obviously then lost 3-0 against Saigon. They'd, they'd gone on a run where they'd won mm. games, you know? They weren't um, giving much away, and then last week they gave things away very easily. Like yeah. Those were two really bad goals. Brendan Clark was quite culpable for a goal. Yeah, he did, probably didn't have his best day, all right. And... and do you but expect that they're going to bring in somebody in the near future, or do you think they'll give Bowling a bit longer? I don't know. I mean, they've they've spread the net a bit. There was a guy who was in who's based in, uh, I think he's based in Ghana, who who certainly was on their list, and I think he was in to be interviewed. Um, and I don't think it's going to be him. I think Paul Nuttall is his name, or is it Frank Nuttall now? I'm sort of, I should really have like some kind of sheet in front of me with this information on it. Sure. This is like really shabby, really from us, but. Um, yeah, there's a few interesting names doing in the rumor mill down in Limerick, but I, I can't I can't see them coming to pass. I'm, I'm afraid to even mention them because you know then all of a sudden you're deemed to have started that rumor yourself. It's not Roddy anyway. Not Roddy, no. 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 You, you of course you do remember Kevin McDade from uh, earlier on the season, mutual friend of ours. Yes. Dropped me back from Terryland to Dublin on Monday night, and he was telling me a couple of stories. Right. Um, and I just thought I had to mention them on the show because they were just really good stories. And one of them involved being in Africa, like in Uganda or something, and the security guard wearing a Derry City jersey. And like he just couldn't get over that. And another one was how he... But that was the story. I mean, I like to think the, t- the stories were told a bit... Well, another one was how he... That, you know? He was meeting his brother who was living in Japan, but they were going to do this kind of tour of Russia. And they met in Moscow, I think, with their parents. And they said, let's go to a football game. And... Uh, one of the Moscow teams were playing Grozny. And uh, Kev was like, I think I recognise one of the Grozny subs there. And he's like, that's Wes Charles. <laughs> Wes Charles was actually a sub for Grozny in a, in a Russian game. God. And the other one, the final story is, why do you call Maribor Kev? And it turns out when he was 13 years of age, he snuck off without his parents' knowledge to watch Derry in Slovenia for a week. And he did this real ruse where he's parents thought he was somewhere else and all the friends thought he was with the parents and then everybody realized what was happening when he was actually in slovenia so then his dad was like um yeah you're just gonna have to uh, stay there now for the week so that's why he's called maribor kev he's only 13 years kev on podcast yeah, yeah he's a, he's a, he's a he's a good lad and uh the wes charles one i don't know was was uh i just couldn't believe that uh let's talk about the games that we were at uh, initially dan crisis in dundalk it is a crisis by their own standards. Of course it is. I mean, they've lost five times in 12 games. And um, I haven't seen all their defeats. And certainly in, in some of their defeats, I mean, the, the Bray home game was obviously a contentious one. Um, Cork away, they deserve to lose the game. But that's not really a bad loss. Like That's the sort of a game that you lose in. Okay, Galway there was maybe an element of smash and grab about the sort of the late goal when when they were dominant, but maybe a bit blunt as well, maybe in terms of creating chances. But last week was as ragged as I've seen them really, and I think uh, okay, Van Gartland 
didn't play. He was on the bench, and obviously you'd Brian that was a big shock, week. wasn't it? As well? I think he might be carrying some kind of injury. Though. Okay, I think he might be carrying some kind of injury. But um, they really struggled. Uh, Hor and Farris yeah. just were very unconvincing. Mm. Shaw, Gary Shaw gave them loads of problems. Uh, but even from the start, like Rovers won a corner within a minute. Um, and I think the story of Friday is is also it's done dark bad, but it's also Rovers good. You know, as in they had a very good night, probably their best night this season, and they were really at it and really. Um, they, they've had a big thing actually Stephen Bradley before the season speaking about Dundalk about matching them physically and not being sort of bullied by them and they certainly set out and made sure that they weren't even a couple of times and McAllister followed McElhenney everywhere but even a couple of times in the first 15 minutes I know Damon was at the game as well even McElhenney just to get the ball and Finn was really tight to him and really now I know Stephen Kenny would probably say that Robbie Benson's on the way back and I think he probably will help them in the midfield get them moving the ball a bit better and um, because they were sometimes even a bit predictable than dark at times. That's not something you would have said about them as a team. Like I couldn't get over the sloppy passing. Like they just yeah. gave the way the ball away so. That was so, on so Soccer Republic as well. One pass by Massey that was criminal, H- horrendous. Like you never saw Dame Massey do that. But I just think the way Rovers went about it, literally from the tip off, went direct, won the header, won a corner, and they just got in their faces. And at one stage, I think in the first ten minutes, I was thinking Rovers are going to do what they did the last time, just be too aggressive. But they actually calmed down. And in particular, I thought McAllister. I think Stephen Bradley struggled to figure out his midfield. And I think with McAllister and Finn in there, when the two of them were at it, because Finn was well up for the game. Did they play a three then, or was it just the two of them, lads? Just the two of them in there with... Um, Burke was just Burke ahead. Off, just ahead of them off uh, Sean. And, and Burke and Shaw seemed to really dovetail well. They did. And he, he wasn't playing in midfield. He was playing in the hole. He was more of a centre-forward than he was playing in midfield. And he just picked up that, that, that space very well. But the Dundalk centre-backs was probably the, one of the worst performances I've seen from... from two centre-backs in a while. I think I, I really struggle to see Sean Hoare replacing Andy Boyle. Like Obviously now Andy Boyle looks like he's a million dollars from how bad they look this year. But I just think Sean Hoare, even his erratic behaviour, he, he, he went in in a tackle, I think, in the second half. He could have been sent off for it. Um, and they just looked so disjointed. He went to a back three at one stage. Yeah, at half-time, he pretty yeah. much switched to a back, which he did in Galway as well. And But I think that's just symptomatic of just not knowing his best yeah, team and yeah. I don't think he's like he likes Vemelin but I'm trying to, I think he's trying to figure out how to even you know because he plays them a full back but then he's used them at centre half and um, they're they're stacked with central midfielders with sort of O'Donnell and Shields and Clifford and, and Stevie went off Stevie O'Donnell Stevie went off, went off again. Yeah. vision um, but it, it shouldn't be a shock like they've lost such quality again and they we like, I, I remember I said it you just can't keep replacing that Obviously, when you look at the over the last few years, you had uh, Horgan stepping up, um, and different players always stepping up. But this year, they had to bring players into the club, um, and they were always going to struggle. And their once their centre back partnership was gone, I, I felt that that's always going to be a struggle for them. I think they'll they'll pull together. I think they'll they'll end up finishing second. Um, yeah. Do you think no they will? Problem. Yeah, I think they definitely will. No problems there. I, when you look at anyone else around that, I like Rovers looked impressive, but I don't see them. That, the way I look at Rovers is that's no problems for the Dundalk game. You'll get up for the Dundalk game and you'll get up for the Cork game and, and you'll be aggressive in that. When you're going to play, I don't know, Galway or someone and the, the onus is on you to go and win the game, I think that's when Rovers will struggle. Um, and uh, to be fair to Steve Bradley and uh, the young management team that they have, they probably were a little bit peeved at the, fr- at the criticism of Rovers because they lost a lot of games. Uh, and we've been a bit critical on this show, Dan, but at the same time we have couched it by saying, you know, they do deserve time. And they've shown a lot of naivety as well. With I think again, they another red card at the weekend as well. I was daft one, yeah. But you know, when you think about it, they've they've beaten the dock at home and and 
you know, given Cork as good a game as anybody at home. But and, and yeah, maybe maybe it's dominating other teams that they should be beating as well. And struggled. defend properly. Yeah, yeah. Just, like you know, they've conceded daft goals. I think it's probably good for them. I know we'll we'll preview games later, but it's probably good for them that they're playing they're playing Bowes next. You know, it's yeah. a, another game that they can bring in. And I have to say, I'm I'm quite glad that like they've they've they're getting going because I mean Europe's coming round the corner and it is still important every year that our European teams are in reasonably good Go nick. And just with Derry being on a very bad run and Rovers being erratic this season you're thinking that's a couple of your representatives and yeah, yeah I think you, you need and I think you know Rovers um, it's interesting what they're doing there and I think for a new manager he needs that bit of respite that bit of mm. You know that week or two where maybe the spotlight's off them, whereas naturally the results had brought it onto them. And hey, listen, maybe it's always going to be there. I mean, they speak about being like such a big club that you can't really complain if you get a bit of criticism yeah, for bad yeah, results. You can't like have both ways. That's yeah, the expectations yeah. that you want. But you realistically, know? they finished third. That's a great season for them. They're back into your oh, and, and, and they can build on that again. I think that's the whether they will or not. I think it'll be a challenge for them to finish third. But I think if they do, that's a successful season. Great season is a bit of a stretch though, with probably the resources they have. But the they're money. not going to like you're, you. They could not finish second near Dundalk. You, you can't say that at the moment, Damon. Like Dundalk are just not the team they were at the. You like can't. You, 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 Dundalk are no better than Bray this season at the moment, and they still have the European thing to come. And I, I do remember. I actually I pointed this out to you earlier on, Dan. I said on the twenty third of October, read the full tweet, twenty sixteen. More tweet. more depth to the league than people appreciate. Dundalk won't win the league next season. Okay, that was the twenty third of October. I only I remember where I tweeted that. It was in the Royal Oak in Clamainham, but I don't remember much <laughs> else about the Johnny. That, that, that didn't require much of a process of elimination because you're probably there on the twenty second, the twenty fourth. The first show but here, you were saying Dundalk will win it. They're favourites. No, I fancied Cork. I know I, fa- no, I did fancy Cork. I tipped not, Cork and, and I, Derry. There's no, there's not any more depth. Jeff <laughs> Tork and Derry. They were my <laughs> two. Like you'd in go the for two in a three-horse race. I mean, that's one of the most twenty-one. Yeah, but um, I, I don't think the point about depth in the league has been proven by that, though. It, it, I, no, it, it hasn't. But Dan, nobody. The fourteen clear Cork. Nobody, you know? nobody saw a situation where after twelve games, Dundalk would defend as badly as they did in Tala. Oh no, being fifteen off is unbelievable. Yeah. No, I think, but I think, I think you have to give. Cork credit rather than like ah no Damon no no no, no. Cork, like Cork hang on a second here thing, you can't lose the, the the players that Stephen Kenny lost and we we said it all along you cannot replace that and it's gonna take him the middle around get, get uh, round two games going into the round three games where it'll come strong there's no way you can just turn that around particularly with your centre back partnership like that was the the backbone of what the success of that Dundalk okay, side has they, been they for still last, shouldn't be last week as many we, games. we did get an angry tweet I must say Finaldo last week are we still overrated after 12 straight wins a Cork fan Cork. you did describe them as overrated last yeah, week I think which I'm not sure about that term because they're probably being underrated you know, I, I in, think in at the moment their invincibility is, is actually overrated in the sense that I could see us getting a are result are you saying they're being flattered by their, their position but I, I don't think you could describe them as being overrated like I think they're actually for what they're doing um, they're not necessarily getting unbelievable praise. Conor McCormick got player of the month today, yeah. um, which I must say is probably the best deserved. signing of the the close season. And I, I mean, I would say myself, like I wondered had they brought in the signings to really close the gap in terms of being creative. And but actually, what they've just done is they've tightened up a couple of holes in the squad that they had and a couple and, of lads have built up. What the they've cor- done. The, the cor- it's, it's been cork very is, cork is very Do simple, right? Cork you, you think they're overrated? Uh, I, I think they're going to drop more points than people anticipate maybe in the second series of games and I think how many points is that though Johnny um, like I they can I drop I think seven. they'll drop seven or eight anyway fine I, they're going to win the league at this stage but 
the thing, Cork is quite simple to me. If they can keep the team more or less as it is now, with the midfield they have and with the energy of Dooley and Shepard on the wings, they're very, very hard to play against because if you're caught on the break, they've loads of pace and their midfield basically wins the midfield battle. Uh, they obviously won 5-0 uh, against Harps. Um, we're going to move on to some of the other games as well. Bray and Pats. That was actually a good point for Pats when mm. you look at it. 1-1. Um, one, one. I, I think Pats are in serious trouble. They are really in serious trouble. I think looking at them there, the depth in their squad. I I, I saw them play Limerick. Is that four weeks ago, maybe? And I I I was shocked at just how average they were on the night and poor, in fact. And uh, did a few young lads playing, and I just felt all around the park they were really really averaged. We've heard about how they're fitter this year. They didn't look much fitter than than, than I've seen, and and I just look at lads. They don't look sharp. So. I'm really worried about Pats in terms of I'd hate to see them go down, but um, there's, there's, there, I would look at them now as one of the favourites. It's to go not down. great, is it? Like you just look at Pats. There's no shirt sponsor. You know, there's I no real, that, yeah. there's no real buzz. I, 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 I talked about this before. And I'm not going to go down this road. Like, you know, Rovers have been very proactive in terms of their promotion and, and what they're doing this year, and that's probably shows that there's stuff going on at the club. I have to say, Damo, you're not loved by Bowes, but I actually think Bowes this year have sort of, the crowds actually have been okay. And I think even for the Pats game, their promotion was very good. Um, but even small things like just like doing press stuff and doing a bit of media and stuff, yeah. like Bowes and Pats haven't done a thing all year. Now they'll say they're, they're part-time, the players don't have time to do it. Like every week Rovers are, before the home game, are doing an event, getting their players out there, trying to get them in the papers, yeah. trying to get a bit of coverage. Like, there's nothing happening with the others. And like Pats in particular, there's just, like, what is going on? Like, is okay. it that bad, Dan? It's, it's, well, it's just, I mean, a couple of years back when they were pretty proactive for stuff. I know like people are going to say, well, it's not fair. They don't have full-time staff there. They have you know, volunteers. And you're, you're again, when, when the players are a bit more part-time, they're not just available to do stuff in a morning and so on. And that's fair enough. But like, it's, like the league here is about trying to promote yourself and trying to push yourself and I just think Pat's at the moment what is there to push and yeah. like Limerick have done a great job actually on social media if you, like I actually follow them on Facebook and, and various things on Twitter and there's always a video or something that you can then interview with someone a player they'll do a snapshot of the training an interview after training with a man, with somebody and there's just constant information coming out from Limerick that I've been really impressed with and it just makes me interested I'll listen to it and that whereas if it's your point Dan there's, there's very little yeah, if, if anything at all coming and out and of course you can always just pick up the phone and ring them I know and, and like uh, that's, player, not, that's not good enough but, but I, I don't think Lazy I think if I think if I think you if you've got like if you've got sponsors, if you've got people around the club, if you're holding events and getting photographers and getting your name out there, I, there's just something about a malaise at Pats, and I think that's only, a small, for a, while, that's only a small part of it. But I mean, I would always say, like, I live in Dublin Eight, like you live in in Dublin Eight as well, and like you know, you don't see anything in the area about what's, what's not going at all. On and, and what's I, going I, on the club I wanted to. I'd be worried. I'd be worried about Pats. I I I, I should say I, I don't think Pats are that bad at all on the pitch, um, and I think once Fagan actually finally starts. You know, being fit and scores goals, maybe I think they're well good enough to stay up. No, I think they'll really struggle because the middle of the park, they're really they're bad. They're not great in midfield. Fagan's not going to get the supply. They're struggling they wing w on the wings. So I think the way Liam's side's set up, they, they play free flowing football and they're nowhere near that at the moment. I, I do think, though, again, like they went to break, could well have won the game playing against what was the second best team in the league this season. Uh, it's hardly a bad result. And no, I said back to back good points like Derry yeah. away and Bray away, but it's. But getting good goals as well. That's a great point. They got, they've gotten uh, two unbelievable goals in their last two games, actually, off the top of my head. And 
if Fagan can start scoring, they have a really good keeper in O'Malley. And I think Desmond as well in the centre. They have a lot of good players there. Uh, but again, we're going to see... Uh, they're big ifs, though, Johnny. So they are, yeah, they're 12 like games in. It's not, it's not six games. You know, they're, they're bottom after 12 games. Plus, I think you if know, you look at their home tight. form, like Sligo get, had a great result of the weekend. And you look at them, if Sligo can get a bit of momentum now, it's always a hard place to go to. They'll get people out to, to follow them. And, that, and when you go there, it's going to be a really hard place to go yeah. to. In Chicor at the moment, like I was there for two games this season and it's just not intimidating Very at all serene. It's, it's quiet I just don't know what's coming I did, like, they obviously have a lot of laughs fans and well, um, well in, in, t- in terms of in- intimidating the only thing good. intimidating about uh, United Park last Friday were the away toilets uh, the Portaloo and I have to say Dan we've spoken about the 10 team league this was the first time I thought a 10-team league is a really good idea. It wasn't a great game. It was played on a very what I what looked like a kind of a narrow pitch. And United Park, there is no way in the world of God any Premier Division club should be allowed to play in a ground as decrepit as that. They should be told, get up the road to Dundalk or get your pitch sorted. I know they had kind of vague ideas. Jeez, I'm not sure if Oriel is the shining <laughs> Yeah, but, it's, but uh, it, it the absolutely. rooms might be bigger by like, you know, an inch. I'm told Cork City uh, players, they tug out in three, uh, three of their away games that they have they don't tug out in the dressing rooms and um, they actually they they basically put their gear on elsewhere and um, they're that bad and i'm not going to name the three of them but i Dude, i was just at that game and i was saying i'm, I'm not going to say them uh, uh, at the moment but <laughs> i can guess them i think yeah you, you probably can you probably um but i I, I i really felt watching that game it brought me back to the old days of the league of ireland it was a lot of kick and hoof and the facilities were an absolute disgrace. Disgrace. And there's no way Drogheda should be able to play. I know Kenny Shields gave out about the pitch in Terrell on a Monday night, but we've done a lot of work on our ground. And you know, back in the day, 20 years ago, you couldn't get into the fourth tier in England unless your ground was really up to standard. Our premier grounds are an absolute joke. And this thing about, like, oh, we're moving elsewhere just seems to be the convenient excuse. Uh, yeah, I, d- I definitely... Again, sometimes um, it's sort of there's an element of glass houses and stones about preaching about facilities sometimes because there's a lot of clubs need to do stuff and the training on one is to step away from others but uh, yeah I mean, the draw to one isn't it's nowhere near it's nowhere near good enough and and I, as i said that is the argument for the 10 team it's it's with, with a smaller number of teams you've got a better chance of applying the minimum standards and then say the clubs if you have to go down well this is what you need to get back in that that is the point that you would make but i mean as i said uh, you know, like we, we like Dundalk are the current league champions, three in a row champions, and their ground isn't good enough, and they know it as well. Um, and they have work to do. And you can you can pick various places. I mean, Harps are, you know, there's there's various places you can look. Uh, and once you start, where do so you about stop? Half the league, then. Yeah, right? we don't we don't we don't have ten teams yeah. at the moment with ha- good, ha- good like grounds. You there's know? five good grounds, is there? Is that that's what we're saying? Yeah, the, the Cork yeah. is fine. I think Galway, Cork, Sligo, Galway, Talla, um, Limerick. Lim- <laughs> Limerick is a bit to go D- on. Jerry, Jerry will be fixed. You know, Derry yeah, will be in the yeah. well next Limerick year. Limerick could be a great ground. Now we're going to actually get on to some of the first division, uh, which we haven't covered that much on the show yet, but something we'll be covering more as the season goes on. And Cove Ramblers were very briefly top of the table until that loss against Athlone, and we're joined by manager Stephen Henderson on the blower. How are you getting on, Stephen? Well, very good. Thanks, for very, thanks very much for having me on. Yeah. Um, we can deal with a bit of promotion in this league of ours. Thanks very much, lads. Yeah, we, we don't know much about the first division, it has to be said, uh, across large spectrums of the Premier Division, and people seem to ignore it. Do you get that kind of uh, lost child vibe in the first division yourself? Um, yeah, it, I think it's possible when you talk to people. Uh, you know, it's given nicknames like the graveyard and stuff like this. So, you know, I think uh, there's a perception out there about it. 
But I think when you're actually involved in a club, uh, you know, you're you're kind of um you know, you're immune to that kind of stuff because you're so caught up in uh, the actual runnings of your own club and, and trying to make your club successful. Well, you know, obviously we'd like it to be publicised more because we'd like to get more people through the gate. Uh, any kind of positive um, publicity w- would be fantastic for us, but unfortunately, there was a load of camera crews down in that lawn on Friday night, but unfortunately, it wasn't to promote the fourth division. And actually, what was that like as an experience? Because it was certainly not your average first division game for you guys to be there uh, as kind of partners in this game that attracted bizarre media attention. Yeah, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you it was a little bit surreal. Um, you know, uh, I suppose. You see, I hadn't a clue what team they were going to be putting out. We didn't know what the situation was. Uh, when we were in having the pre-match meal, I got a phone call. told there's a lot of media up there. Uh, the age profile of our team is quite young. And, you know, I didn't want to bring them up into that just in case they were asked questions that they weren't comfortable uh, answering because it is a, it's a very sensitive situation that's going on there at the moment. So, you know, I brought them up uh, later than what we would normally have. And, uh, you know, so it was a little bit surreal. And then when the team sheet came in, it was not compared to what we thought it might be. Uh, but obviously, Athlone were very good on the night, and I have to say that. And flip side, we were very bad. Uh, Do you think you were affected by the whole thing? or? Well, um, you know, it, you know that would be an excuse if I said that. Uh, you know, it was a little bit surreal. Uh, there's a huge amount of disappointment that this kind of stuff has uh, been investigated. And, you know, we're all very disappointed with that. But no, I wouldn't use that as an excuse. You know, we prepared very well during the week. We only got to the ground at half an hour later than we normally would. So, uh, you know, we are a young team, but we were top of the league. And, you know, young players getting to the top of the league, you know, brings its own pressures. And that's another form of development. Uh, you know, how do you deal with the mental side of the game when you're at the top of the league and you're there to be knocked? And unfortunately, we didn't handle it very well against that long. I suppose you also said, though, that Carl Coffey got injured now. I have to say, my knowledge of the first division should be better as well, but I am aware of the goal he got against Shells. And is he one of your more promising talents? Well, uh, apart from being one of our more promising, he's, he's our more experienced. You know, Carl hit 40 there. Uh, he's a very experienced lad. He's played for Cork City in the past, and he's played with that very strong Avondale team that dominated junior football for years. So, like, if you take Carl out of the team, our, you know, our average age is, is in the teens. So not only did we lose a very good player, we lost an experienced player. Uh, but obviously the goal that you're seeing against Shelburne, that's something Carl does in training. So uh, yeah, we lost that kind of um, drive to get forward and support Matthew Whelan. Uh, so he was a loss. It was after 15 minutes. You know, we have good players and we should have dealt with it better. We didn't deal with it as well as we should have. The two goals we conceded were was, was schoolboy stuff, to be brutally honest with you. So uh, no, it was a bad day at the office for us. But again, like, we're very much a development model down here in Ramblers at the moment. So, you know, that's part of the development. Uh, when you get top of a league, you don't do that very often. How do you deal with it? We've managed to do it twice. We haven't done it very well, to be honest with you. So we'll see tour time, Lucky. Stephen, what's your take on the, I know, I know on, on the future of the first division? Because I know before the start of the season, you spoke, you were very frustrated about the, the lack of a playoff this year and, and sort of how that change had been instigated. But in terms of you know, where the, that league is going, it's going to be a 10-team league next year. Like how difficult is it as a working environment now? It's an eight-team league, a lot of repetition. That, I don't know, is that hard to, to sell to people? Or like What's your overall view on, on where that second tier is going? Well, you know, 
like I said before, they, they spoke about it being the graveyard. And I suppose in reality, the fourth division has been a saviour for an awful lot of clubs over the years in terms of, uh, you know, over during the, the period when there was an awful lot of money being spent, clubs got themselves into an awful lot of trouble. Uh, they were able to go down to the fourth division, uh, you know, as Cole Ramblers did, and reevaluate, um, you know, get their finances in order and uh, get themselves strong again and then go back up. So, so the division worked well in that context. Whereas if you had a full kind of 20 team division and, and they get themselves into trouble, where do they go? Do they go out of business? That kind of thing. Uh, so it serves a purpose in that manner. But, you know, it's uh, it's an exciting league when you're when you're actually involved in it. Like the cynics are out there, we want to have a pop at it all the time. That's fine. Away you go. Uh, come to have a look at a few other matches, and you'll see a lot of quality. But what you'll also see is an awful lot of very young players who have been given the platform uh, to to really develop as players in, in a very competitive environment against grown men, against experienced teams. Shelbourne have a lot of experience this year. Obviously, Waterford have a lot of experience. Uh, Longford Town. You know, so like young players are coming up against these experienced lads and they're learning their trades and, and they'll move on and they'll move into the Premier Division and then hopefully they can go and have a career across the water or indeed have a good career here in the League of Ireland. The fourth division is not as bad as people make it out to be. Obviously, I don't like being there. <laughs> you want to you want to play against the best players as a player and as a manager, you want to compete against the best managers. Having said that, we do have the people like uh, Alan Reynolds, Young Collie O'Neill's very talented young man. Uh, you know, Alan Matthews is in there. You know, some very talented uh, managers down there. There's been some very good games, lads, and that's the truth. But equally, there's been absolutely horrendous ones. But, you know, that's in every every league. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like, I mean, when Galway FC were playing there, I, I saw a lot of the First Division, and I can attest to that. So some very good players there, and some very good bars as well. Is the Cove bar still as strong as it was when uh, I was last there? It was about 15 years ago. Well, yes, the bar, the bar is going strong. Well, I wouldn't say it's going strong, but it's going well. Do you keep it open uh, throughout, throughout the week? Or? Bring you in. Do, do you keep it open throughout the week? You're, you're inviting me down there, yeah? I am inviting you down, young man. I'll invite you down to a match. I'll invite you all down. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lovely atmosphere around Cove Ramblers. LOI Weekly on tour, yeah? We'll, we'll take you up on that. But do, do you think then, Stephen, that it's important to keep a second division? Because I know there's, there's a view on a... On a you know, a, I don't know, a 16-team league or a 20-team league, but I don't know, would it be as easy to blood young players if you were in that sort of top-flight environment? Do you think it's important then to have that second division that where you can maybe, I don't know, use it to blood some young players, as you said? I think there's room for two divisions, but I, but I also think that, you know, there's room to make it ultra-competitive. You know, I, I think uh, three teams coming down and one team going up, uh, I think that's a little bit harsh, to be honest with you, you know, because um, that, that Premier Division now as it stands is going to be very competitive uh, by virtue of the fact that nearly every game, regardless of uh, how many times they play each other, regardless, every game in that league is going to be competitive. There's an awful lot of pressure on the players because so many teams are getting relegated. Uh, other teams will be going for a top four spot for uh, Europe. Uh, you know, and it, you know, I, I could see an argument where you can have uh, three teams potentially coming down and three teams potentially going up. What that would do is that, that would give an awful lot more uh, competitive edge and respect to the fourth division. And it would make uh, the Premier Division very competitive every week, regardless of the number of teams. Why have we only got 20 teams? I don't know. Uh, you know, I know there's lots of clubs that would like to get involved in the League of World Football. It really? 
Yeah, there are clubs. Like, like, like who though? I mean, they, they don't well, like, seem... I, I, you know, to be honest with you, when I speak to these lads, they ask me to keep it quiet. But I know two, two, two clubs. Regional towns kind of thing. Regional regional clubs that would like to get involved in League of Ireland football. For whatever reason, that hasn't happened at this moment in time. Uh, maybe it will in the future. But there is a, there is definitely a fact, uh, an argument to be made that if there's, if there's going to be two 10-team divisions, at least make them competitive. Don't, you know what I mean? Let's let's make these competitive. Let's give both divisions uh, a little bit of credibility. You know, and and we can still manage to develop young players. Uh, you know, with the advent now of the the 17s and the 19s, this year the under 15s, and in a year or two the under 14s. Let's have a proper pathway. Let's make the games competitive. Uh, you know, like this year the playoffs were removed in the fourth division. I went on record saying my, my big goal this year is to make sure co-rambers don't go out of business because we were fearful that with Waterford and the investment that was going into Waterford, we were going to have the same scenario that happened with Limerick, where the season where they virtually had the, the league wrapped up at this stage nearly last year. But thankfully, Waterford haven't, um, you know, they haven't ran away with it. Uh, Longford are down fifth or sixth at the moment. They can still win the, the league. Do you know what I mean? So thankfully that's happened. And we're kind of lucky that's happened. But if it didn't and Waterford ran away, I think there could be three, four clubs that could have been in danger of going out of business altogether. And the, yeah. I think we have a responsibility. You know, we all have a responsibility to mind our clubs. Uh, I have a responsibility to call Ramblers. Uh, like I said, we got ourselves into financial trouble as far back as 2008 when we were in the Premier Division. And, uh, you know, we overspent on facilities. We put new stands in, we put new dressing rooms in, new floodlights went up, everything. We had no money for it, but they went up. And we've been paying the price ever since. But what we have now is I, we're, we're working off an amateur status at the moment because I want it and not because the club wants it. It's because we have to. It's the right thing to do. And we have to mind the club. And that's what I'm saying is we have to try and come up with some form of scenario where the leagues are competitive. They have to be competitive. And if the fourth division, if you have three teams with an opportunity to get promoted in the in the fourth division, and three teams have, you know, the, the fright of being relegated, these 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 leagues become hugely competitive and hugely interesting, and they will run to the end of the season. You know what I mean? So the, you know there will always be someone involved in something Absolutely. in Europe or relegation. Absolutely, we're we're gonna have to let you go. But best look against Cabin Teeley at the weekend, and we'll hopefully hear you later on in the season as well, Stephen. Thanks very much, gentlemen. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate it. Um, I didn't think, Dan, that you'd hear of three teams going up from the first division as an answer because I think three going down is pretty mad. But as competitive as it would be, uh, three teams from eight might be... Wh- what is your answer to but the I first division? I think when he's getting... To <coughs> it'd be maybe, very competitive. Maybe he's talking more so when he gets to two tens, you know, that mm. you have that uh, freedom of... You know, that's a more freedom of movement between the divisions. It's like I don't know what the the perfect sort of solution is. I don't think anyone knows what it is. I think that's why we're fumbling around. Um, well, the, 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 is there some sort of regional <coughs> level you could at that like in the first division have a regional uh, so you could pull in more local teams and, and it'd be amateur as well, pretty much as yeah, well, like like what they're doing because yeah. it, to cut like if I think clubs would get involved if they knew that they didn't really have to pay wages and like could do a kind of a Wexford or a Cove and it's interesting that he alluded to two potential teams there yeah. because you look at Monaghan and Kilkenny teams that have gone out like you look at places like Kerry, Port Leash, Mayo, even for off the top of my head, Thurles yeah. could have a team. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think the thing is though we can't sort of 
be hypocritical about what we were talking about earlier that there probably still needs to be a standard applied to those teams if they want to go up and it, it, this is a difficult one. I don't know what the answer is in terms of, of if an amateur team gets promotion it's going to be difficult for them in the Premier Division I know what, what no, Stephen said maybe you could there. do something around like granted they're involved but there's a there's a, a restriction to people who are getting promoted. I, I don't know, but like just to make That's it more a hard sell, just to make it more interesting, um, maybe if you could put some sort of investment into it, um, you could. I, I don't know, but I'm I'm trying to. Think you need to. I, I saw. I think it's in Belgium now or somewhere. Where, what they do midway through their season, it's a bit bit slightly unusual. Towards the end of it, I think like their top six or eight teams in their Premier Division go into a league, and then their top teams in the First Division come up with the other Premier Division teams, and they play out the rest of the season. And, 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 and there's and a European place given to that bottom. There is, uh, yeah, half the table, it's, so it's, it keeps that interesting. It's unusual. Yeah. The, 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 I actually didn't realise that other leagues around Europe are a bit more creative than maybe we just look at England sometimes in a traditional way of doing things and I, I, as much as I'd be I, I wouldn't be sure how it would work um, if there was some kind of structure that okay maybe it's not three up and three down but maybe that at a given point like the top three or four teams somehow get a chance to be involved in enlarged playoffs where teams go up or down maybe that could be something I know part of the Conroy report and parts of the split um there might have been an element of that hinted at. And I wonder, is there a way then that, yeah, Waterford, UCD, Cove and Longford, say, later in the year, um, were in some scenario to play off at clubs at the bottom of the Premier? That could be... Yeah, well, I mean, Maybe the Premier quality will just win out. No, but that's what, it, what, they, but what they had, in fairness, was perfectly fair. Third place, second in the playoff, and they play into a playoff then to get in the Premier League, which, which gave you... Uh, I thought that was perfectly fine. And um, it Good drama around them games as well. Yeah, yeah also, you have something to play for. Like... It, if you look at the table in the first division now, every team bar Wexford could legitimately get promoted um, in the old system. Now the it's old going system. to be very hard. But three from eight, like three from eight, having end of season um, promotion prospects is in stats wise that's good. But the problem is if it's three from ten, then uh, those th- those other teams who are mid, you know, mid to lower table from the second half of the season, they are screwed. Like they, they're in, like you, you know, a first division season when you're going nowhere is is a miserable place to be. A long way removed from the first vision at the minute is Johnny Dunleavy and Cork City. And uh, we'll have the pleasure of watching Cork City against Galway United myself on Friday night. Johnny, you must be looking forward to that. And uh, you're very welcome to LOI Weekly. Thanks, my lads. Um, yeah, look, we're, we're really looking forward to it. Obviously, we've, you know, we've, been, we've been going well recently. And Friday night's another chance for us to put on a good performance, hopefully, um, after uh, you know, another good result in the clean sheet again last week. And the season for yourself is kind of belatedly getting going, I suppose. That's it, yeah. I suppose I I started off um, I started off being injured in, in pre-season a little bit. Just coming back from the injury last year, I mean, it was to be fair, it was a pretty bad one that I got last May. So I've been working kind of hard in the off-season and stuff to get myself back. And then naturally enough, you know, when you come back in from, from these injuries, you just get different things, little niggles and stuff. And thankfully now at the moment, I'm feeling good and fit and strong. I've played the last four or five matches, you know, including cup games. So... Um, hopefully, I can keep that going now. Johnny, it must be hard coming back in. Obviously, you've been out injured and that, but getting back in, you guys are just absolutely flying. Um, to get back up to the level the lads are at, is, is that difficult for you? Um, it, well, it is at the start, definitely. Like, because I mean, when you come in, the training's unbelievably intense. Like, I think you know, people can kind of see the quality in the squad that we've got now. Like, the, the strength and depth's unreal. And has that ga- has that gone up year on year? Like, it did, if you compare the intensity this year to last year in the squad in your training sessions and stuff, has that changed this year versus last year, or is it just a case of you're continuing on, continuing on, good group of players, and you're just really like all in it together to to push on this year? Um, I'd say you know what I'd say in fairness, it probably it probably has 
um, increased, and probably that's down to like winning the cup last year was a big thing for us. I think, and I think it sort of showed us that you know we do have the quality to win things, and it's kind of you know it's really spurred us on this year and showed us that we have the quality to to go and do it again. Um, but also like the players that the players that we brought in, I mean, they've been exceptional, and I think even some players in the squad have improved again from what they did last year. Like Shawnee Maguire being a prime example, he's been you know he's been unbelievable for us this year, and um, we're we're delighted to have players that quality naturally enough. What what's the atmosphere like then there at the moment, Johnny? Because I know I've spoken to you before about um, you know Cork is one of those places where the team is going well, the players are recognised out and about, and um, people locally are really buying into it. I mean, as much as you're trying to say all the right things and you know trying to you know take each game as a time. There must be an element of euphoria down there that is it hard to sort of shut it out and not listen to it because crowds are great, results are great, and there must be a serious level of excitement. Yeah, I suppose, to be fair, the, the sense of excitement probably is palpable in terms of, you know, the club is so big and the fan base is so big, and I think you really see it when we're going well. Like, the, the crowds that we've got are just unbelievable, and the atmosphere in Turner's Cross is amazing. You know, if you, if you look at it, the management that we have, they're very much, you know, they'll keep us grounded. Um, like they won't let us get, they won't let us get ahead of ourselves. And I think the group of players that we've got as well, that's never going to happen. Um, so look, the crowds and everything have been brilliant, and the fans are brilliant. But um, at the same time, we're just focused on ourselves, really, and our own performances, and that's all we can look after. And what what has what has it been like, just win after win after win? Do you start thinking, you know, you're going into every game, yeah, we're going to win here. Well, I suppose like we're 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 going into games confident, um, but at the same time the preparation's still the same and it's very thorough. The whole thing. it's I suppose another good thing about this year is the team's been fairly settled. I know that guy I've come back in, let's say, for the last four or five matches, but as a rule the team's been very settled and you get really used to playing with each other. Um and that tends to be a trait of successful teams, I think, where, you know, boys just know each other inside and out and um that's definitely that's definitely been a part of our, our you know, success this year. So it's nice to go into games like that, sort of knowing what to expect from each other and I guess is 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 this gonna hinge on on Maguire in a, in a sense that if Maguire is lost in the middle of the season, is there a chance that it could derail your own campaign? Um look, any team Johnny Maguire's been brilliant for us this year. Like it's you know, it's it's as clear as day and the, the quality that he's got is, is unbelievable. And naturally it'll be a blow to any team to lose him. In saying that, I think the quality of the squad in general, like in the strength and depth that we've got, you know, we'll have enough to cope with it. And I'm sure the manager will have his ideas on like what he wants to do in terms of bringing somebody. Well, you know, if it happens, like it's, I suppose it's, there's no guarantee that it's going to happen yet. But if it did happen, you know, who he would bring in, what he would change around and stuff. And um, I think we're probably lucky in the sense that we have the quality to cope to cope with something like that. But as I say, you know, to, to lose Sean McGuire for any team will be a blow, you know. Where, where does Europe sit in your priorities this year, Johnny? Just, uh, I know like you had a fantastic run last year, um, but I guess, you know, you, you, you've got a certain focus with the league at the moment, but is Europe still something that's a, a big ambition this year? Definitely, definitely. As I think last year showed, you know, it showed everyone, probably it showed everyone in Ireland between, between ourselves and Dundalk that, you know, we, we have enough ability to, you know, to compete at that level. Um, and certainly when it comes around, we won't, you know, we have no fear of, you know, anyone that we come up against. Um, it'd be great to get a good draw in the first round, you know, somewhere close to home and somewhere that, you know, where we feel we could get through it. But um, when it, when the time comes, as I say, you know, we'll, we'll hold no fear and we'll be really looking forward to it. It's something that we'll be looking forward to again. And uh, just on, 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 on that general point, um, you know, what's John Coffey like as a manager? Is he a guy that instills confidence, fear, or just like, does he want you to win? Does he... 
does he kind of just put that passion inculcate that passion into the squad because I've seen him on record praising you and how everyone loved you down in Cork obviously coming from Donegal is he a, is he a man of management extraordinaire or is he kind of a, more of a tactical boss or what's he like in general um, I suppose to be he, he's a winner like that's that's the first and foremost he's a winner and the passion that he has for, for Cork is unbelievable I mean you know he, he keeps trying to he keeps trying to tell me that I'm an adopted Cork man now and that I'm going to be here for the rest of my life and all that sort of stuff you know what I mean that you'll marry a Cork woman now and when you come down you never leave but that's just it how's that going for you so far Johnny is the, have you halfway along those lines or are you, are you, uh, well, the, the 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 woman part's not going so well, Dan. But apart from that, I'm doing okay. Like, um, Give him a chance, Dan. No, he's, he's only back from injury. Like, I told you to go easy. I'm, you know what I mean. I haven't, I haven't been out on the town. I'm focusing on my football. That's there we go. That's my excuse. Yeah, would, would, yeah. would women be all over you when you're like, yeah, I I, I play for Cork City and the Donegal accent, I suppose, is a draw. Wearing as well. your jersey in the nightclub might help. Yeah. Like, oh, that's it. Well, I, I, I tend to I try and go out as much in my hoodie as I can because <laughs> <laughs> like, nah, I'm not joking to do it. Uh, <laughs> but, it's uh, a, no, like kind of an SOS to get there. Uh, all actions to me in Pullen Power, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's, if, if there is any uh, female from Cork listening in, you know, he's available. <laughs> and, and also, exactly. I, I believe you're into the horses as well. Uh, now and again, I am all right. I do. I I, I like the horses. Um, Rounded a, guy. We had a we had a filly ourselves there a, a few years ago, but unfortunately she uh, unfortunately she was no good, so she got the bullet. That's her. But, that's her. Um, <laughs> right. I I I, I that's presume like your problems with women. Yeah. Stuff, that's there, I presume it's an equine uh, filly rather than a human filly. You know. Listen, lads, it's a very uh, cutthroat world. Like you know what I mean. Yeah. You have to you make your decisions, and that's it. I I don't know how to end this interview actually, but uh, Johnny, you're going to get one hell of a beating in Terryland on Friday, I think. You know. And 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 get uh, used to the bumpy pitch. That's it. Well, I, I heard that. No, look, I, I suppose we've heard that. Uh, we heard Kenny Shields' interview there on Monday night. So. Um, but look, it's the same. It's the exact same for both teams. At the end of the day, it's all business when you cross the white line. So, um, whatever whatever way the pitch is, it certainly won't be an excuse for for us or for them. You know. If we have you on later on the season, uh, what are the chances you'll have a girlfriend? What are the chances? Mm. Uh, geez, lads, I'm 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 happy with my own at the minute. The chances of a girlfriend are, are slim, I'd say. Um, but look, who knows? I might have another four-legged filly, but we'll see about that. That's the spirit. Good to have you on. <laughs> Listen, lads, good to talk to you. Sorry. <laughs> Cheers, Johnny. Uh, didn't really expect that to happen, but uh, it sounds like you. you they're they're plus twenty-eight points. I just actually looking at the table here. Twenty-eight difference. gold difference, yeah, rather. And the next point, plus eight. Yeah. Um, an extra point as if yeah. it were needed. Um, but I guess you know John Coffey was saying everyone is mad about. Him. You can kind of tell he's a bit of a good. He's a bit of a lad. You're, you're mad about him now. I can tell. <laughs> ah, yeah. Like Somebody told me there. Oh yeah, John Dalivi. He's, he's speaking to the horses, which I didn't know. Um, oh, he's a he's a good fella. I I was over in Canada a couple of years back, and I actually ended up uh, being out and I uh, meeting a guy. I think it's his co- cousin, and goes to all his games. I think they travel down from Donegal. His really? family still travel down to see his games regularly, and um, like he's he's been a captain of the club. You know, Damon would know. Like I don't think people pick their captains lightly. You no. know, it says something about their presence because he's still quite young. Was you a know, huge loss for him last year. Yeah, as well. so he's a presence where he was place. injured. Like they really lo- like him not playing. I think he's so huge. Him coming back in is like a new signing for them. Yeah, it really is. And I, I guess it shows as well. Just kind of like uh, the quarterback is like the big dude in American football, and the striker is the big dude in football. Because when we were at the indoor award, Shawnee McGuire's girlfriend was at my table, Dan, and she's like a former. Uh, <laughs> former Voice UK or something. She's like a really good singer, and she was on a reality show in uh, 
Britain there a year or two ago, and she's are, quite are well actually, known. Are you going to make a point <laughs> off the back of this? Is yeah, this, yeah, but is, this, like, is there a piece of analysis going to come Sean, with this? Sean Dunleavy, he can't even get a girlfriend, you know, so he's just a defender. Nobody really recognizes oh, him. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah you didn't yeah. listen to the start of that. Uh, I mean, it's, sometimes, uh, Johnny, I just don't know where your sentence starts and, and where it might end. You know, uh, The sentence is called Life Itself, Dan, but uh, Bows and Rovers, actually, let, getting on to the preview of Week 12, we have a little bit of news on uh, some of the pitch maintenance, perhaps at Daily Mount Park, Dan, that we just heard before we came on, well, on there. Yeah, we're still getting it confirmed, but it's possible that the uh, the fire brigade might be involved to uh, water some of the pitch there because they, they've had issues, I think, with the uh, the dryness of the surface and I think with the sprinkler system. So um, who'd have thought it that, you know, good weather could be a complaint um, in, in any really any walk of Irish life I remember when uh, we were much younger and we were having a debate about summer football before I came in and I was very much an advocate and you had all these bullet points about why it was a bad idea and one really? of them was yeah yeah and one of them was uh, bone, bone dry pitches and I was like come on Dan it's Ireland but as it ha- I was a student of global warming uh, at yeah. the time. I, I'm completely in favour of summer football now. Yeah. Actually, I, I hear the debate sometimes about moving back and I actually think it's, it's bonkers. So clearly that was just like sort of some kind of teenage indecision or something. Demo on, on form. Um, last week, Dan and I had a bit of a face-off with predictions and I think I emerged on top. So we might go for... 3-1, I think, and beat him, which is fair enough. Not really great when there were six it's games. Nah, it's not great. It's not nothing to be we, we'll, bicycle we'll, we'll, we'll do the three of us uh, this week anyway. So I'm going to start off on, on present form. I can't see how Rovers don't beat Bows. Well, present I'm form is one week, though. Isn't it? You know, like, it's like, like that Rovers performance last week. Um, I just think, though, Bows are struggling with, with the, the lack of, okay, there's positive news in terms of Corcoran maybe being back and Akinati being close, but... Um, it's just hard to see where they're going to score goals. It is a difficult game, though, isn't it? Like it's all, it's a difficult game between them. It's not, a, it's not an easy one for Rovers to turn Are they up. fun to play in, those, those they derbies? Were, yeah, like I remember some of them. I was in playing in the Tony Grant one with the pig's head and, and some of them. Um, yeah, like they were, they were intense. Um, generally, I came out in the better playing for Bowes when, when I was in them games, uh, which helped a lot. But um, they did just the... the we played one in Inch of Core, which was my favourite one of all time, and Rovers had, didn't have a ground, and we played there, and it was packed. I think we won 3-2. I think Colin Hawkins, or maybe t- it was 2-1 or something. There was a novelty Remember? to that as well. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was brilliant. Like, you know, when that one, Inch of Core is full, the atmosphere is brilliant. So, yeah, like, they are great games. Um, the atmosphere, the fans, when everyone gets up for it. But just in terms of the positions that the, the sides are in, I remember when we were playing Bows, we were, we were generally top two um, uh, for it as well. So, no, there's a, there's a bit of spice in, in it. Um, form, form going out the window, is that just a, one of these cliches we throw out or does form actually just matter here? That Bows Form does matter. Yeah, I don't agree with that. Um, I, I think there'll, there'll be a bit of intensity. I think the first 15, 20 minutes, how you settle into the game. Like Rovers need to go on and win this after such a big statement last week. They should go on and win this game. I think it'll be difficult for them and I, I would fancy them to win the game. I think it'll be a tight maybe 1-0 or 2-1 for Rovers to win this. Dan? I saw Rovers last week. I feel like I have to go for Rovers to win. I think if they match that performance, they should be capable of winning the game. I mean, I haven't seen Bows in a while, and there seems to be games where they've done okay and yet still ended up getting beaten in the match. I mean, actually a bad decision for a penalty in, in Derry last week as well. It was clearly outside the box. But I, I think and depth is, you, is you difficult would, for Bowes. Yeah, you would think thing. Rovers should have. If Rovers are really going to finish in that top four this year and push for Europe... They have to take the momentum from last week into this week. And, and Are Rovers potentially the team of the second round of games that could really click? 
uh, I potentially, poten- I, I guess so. I'm not. I'm not. I still think they need to, as we talked about earlier, they need to actually really Win show the they can games, put a run yeah. at three what, or four. What the interest for me is what side he picks. Is it the same starting eleven? Because I know he's chopped and changed. He's never really stuck with the same eleven. He's changed that midfield a few times and brought fellas in. And I think and it'd be well suited to a derby. That if they bring that approach last week with McAllister and I think Lopez going back to centre half is a is a positive. That's where he has to play. He yeah. can't play in the middle of the park for them. And I think. If with Finn getting get the way he was last week, I think if the game is open, he'll get on, he'll get on the ball and play it around. McAllister will set the tone in there. So I think if he sticks with the same starting eleven, I think the two lads up top did very well as well. So uh, and and I something very positive as well, Damo. I think crowds are up seventeen percent this year, which may be slightly misleading, but should be a very big crowd in Daily Mount. I would have thought. Yeah, it'd be a great one to go to. Um, Where yeah. are you going to be on Friday? Are you going to a game? I don't have my wife's getting her wisdom teeth taken out on Friday, so I've yet to discuss with her whether I can go out and watch a game yet. So I, I could, yeah, I could see why you'd give her a bit of support. So That's not nice, now to be fair, I would imagine. I'll definitely get out of the game, get out of the house <laughs> to watch a game. Happy days. Uh, I'll be in Galway for Galway Cork City. I'm going to be very bold here and predict a draw. We've Oof. drawn eight of our last eleven. I think we've lost one of our last eleven. Very, very good against Derry uh, on the firm, good and fir- good firm in places surface on Monday. Seven draws from 12 yeah. for Galway this year. We've, con- we've lost less games than both Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers. So, you know, if there, were two, if there were two points for a win, we'd be doing How bad well. is the pitch? Uh, it's not as bad as uh, Shield said. As, I, as I've been saying the last few days, you know, the Galway FA owns the ground and there have been so many games on it, like instances of like five games over three days, like kind of a thing. And talking to the groundsman, who's terrific, groundsman Noel Conley, he just said, like, it's so sand-based at the moment. Like, I've been watering this all day, but it's just filtering straight through. Right. And I was actually, uh, our WhatsApp group here at LOI Weekly, I was, I, before the game, I uh, sent him a photo of the sideline. The sideline was very bad. It was, it was really, really brown in areas. But if you were to talk about it as an excuse, I don't think it was. I thought Derry played very good football in the first half. Uh, but getting back to the game... I, I How's the bar going down in Galway? We haven't had enough this, in this is a killer. Um, we've had three games on a Monday night this season um, because of just various games being moved and one game was set for a Monday night anyway. Is the bar open on the Monday? It's not. We don't have a licence for Monday night, so uh, oh. we've, a, we've a kind of a... Uh, sort of a provi- provisional licence. So it's going to be open and Cork City fans are invited to uh, what's now called, I think, the locker room uh, on Friday night. But away fans are in, uh, invited in, so... Um, Please I buy a Galway hooker and support the club. Support, <laughs> get, get yourself a hooker and support Galway United. <laughs> but anyway, I, I do think we could be a massive motivation here to end this. Uh, yeah, because we g- the only game Galway United were humble in the season was in Turner's Cross. And there's a, I think there will be a bit of uh, anger about that. And Pori Cunningham and Ronan Murray are going to start clicking. You're going to go for a draw. I'm going to go for a draw, yeah. I mean, obviously, you're going to go for an away win. I, I was tempted to go for a draw in this game, but if we're going to do... Uh, there's no point just like mimicking your predictions. So I'll go for an away win, but I think a draw is... It's not out of the question. I'm amazed at that. I, 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 but I just yeah. think the fact that they're being pretty dogged of late and they're not giving a huge amount away, I do think at some point, Cork, it isn't going to click for them attacking one week and they will have a score to straw. They will have a game where it doesn't quite happen. There's also some suggestion Shepard might have an injury as well. Um, just a number of people who are scoring goals from that that really jumps out at me. Like every week, there's there's four or five different scorers. You know, it's not the same. Like obviously, Sean McGuire scoring a, a couple, but you just from they're scoring from set pieces. They're all around the park. They just have goals in them. So I'd fan, I, I fancy You're Cork go there. Easy, yeah. Maybe okay. Easy's probably a bit harsh, but it, a definite Cork win. Stay with you for Dundalk and Sligo Rovers demo. Dundalk win. Stephen Kenny so will definitely recover. He'll yeah. get like all, I'd say that dressing room 
afterwards. Oh, there was roaring and yeah, shouting. Yeah. They were kept in for some time. I've been in it, Stephen, dressing with that. He doesn't... Now, obviously, this is a long time ago when, when Stephen managed me. And it's funny when I actually spoke to him uh, when we were away on a European trip. And he, he says he often hears fellas saying, uh, when, I, when Stephen managed me, and he was like, I'm a totally different manager nowadays. But when they lose games, I'd say he hasn't changed too much. He... he to bring us into that dressing room, how what what type of anger is it? Is it the sort of uh, throwing stuff anger? Is it more manic pacing around? So no, he doesn't throw stuff. Out he doesn't anger. throw stuff. I've been in dressing rooms where people throw stuff and people would square up the people and that sort of stuff. And I've, I've, I remember there was, I won't say which manager it was, but I, I picture. It's not a Paul Duden story. Is I, it? I won't say which manager it was, but <laughs> down in Waterford, we 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 lost the game and. Uh, Afterwards, one of the lads came in. He always gets changed straight away. So he was in the nip. Who are you playing with? Uh, like doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. Johnny, just let him tell the story. You're playing Johnny, in Watford, so that would narrow it down. Let him tell the story. So came in. He was in the he nip. Came in, in the nip and Dulo. Let's slip. I slip. Dulo was like, "Go on, I know the story. Just tell the story." The two listening. lads went face to face, and one of them was a nip, and they were screaming at each other. And you're just like, "This is surreal. This just can't be happening." But getting back to Stephen Kenny, so was Dulo uh, fully clothed for this? But Dulo had was the, fully clothed. The, 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 the player, the player yeah, was yeah. It, well, had nothing on, and just the, the sheer anger between the two of them. We actually had to separate them at one stage. But just random stuff like that happens in a dressing room. But going back to Stephen Kenny, he's very controlled in his anger. It's like someone flicks a switch, like he's talking away, talking away, and then he'll just absolutely lose it for like a minute, and then he'll come back down again. And then it's more the, do you know when you're a kid and your parent doesn't really speak to you mm. when you've done something wrong? That's what it's like afterwards and then for the next day in training. And uh, But I just, he'll definitely get a reaction from that Dundalk. If, if this season um, completely derails for Dundalk, which it might, is his legacy slightly tarnished? What's, no. like, hang no. on, what's derailed for Dundalk? What do you mean? As, if like, they didn't get into Europe. Won't happen. Just, they just, will just definitely get it. For argument's sake, it didn't. If there's a big squad um, unrest, just for argument's sake. No, like, and it wouldn't. If, if it did happen, it wouldn't affect. Are you that confident much. they're going to finish in the top two? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it wouldn't tarnish his legacy in any way. It'd be, there'd be a short term pain there, but he's won three leagues. They just they, <laughs> you know, they always tend okay. to. They always tend to recover. He'll get a good reaction from the players there. Mm. And I think they've still got enough players. They need to get players back fit. Um, so I'd fancy them to win at home. I'm going for an away win here. Dan? That's a big call. I, I, I think a home win. Although I'm pretty impressed with what I saw Sligo last week. But um, the Docks home form actually this season has still been pretty good. It has. It actually yeah, has yeah. been. So uh, I think it's 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 the doubt about them is their ability to actually get the wins on the road that they were able to just just almost just rack them up you know and I think there's a lot of they've shown a lot of weakness in their travels this year and even conceding from set pieces I should have mentioned earlier which is something they wouldn't do that often but the second goal last week was horrendous horrendous I think at home I think this is a game that they'll win I'll stick with you so far, Finn Harps and Bray. The eight o'clock kickoff. It's sort of a big game for Bray. This, if if Bray want to qualify for Europe, you know, these are the kind of games they probably need to just go and win. Um, Harps are still down quite a few bodies at the moment. I thought Harps had started the season very well. It doesn't feel like Harps have had like a bad season yet. They're in the drop yeah. zone. They're third from bottom, and that just sort of worries you. Uh, they're down a lot of bodies. Um, Probably a way win, not with huge confidence, but draw. I still think a way win. Draw, draw for me, yeah. I just think Bray will struggle going up there. I think Harps, uh, as you said, are down bodies, but I just it's a difficult place to go and play them, so I, I fancy that as a draw. I think that's a banker away win. Actually, I think they'll hit them hard on the break. 
Pats versus Drogheda, two of your former clubs, Jamo. Um, you don't obviously mention your career very often, but um, what's going to happen here? <laughs> um, did you play a bit? Did you? This is hard to call this one. Are we going down that track again? Are we? <laughs> he, he is a, like Johnny. He is sort of here as someone who's played. Like that's sort of that's what, what we want from him. You know, we want dressing room stories. Like we don't, we, we don't have dressing room stories. Gets to name the manager and then name. Then them. Yeah, them. but like yeah, that, yeah. Th- th- that's sort of that's what the gig is about here. He's, he's sort of quite useful when he talks about his career because he can bring us into stories. Is that okay with you, John? What's Bucko like, actually? He never managed me. Never managed no. you, yeah. Um, I, I, I always have this notion of him as like a, just a nice guy to play for. The lovely guy around, uh, I know him around football, lovely, lovely guy, yeah. great guy to deal with. Um, I, I, think, I think sometimes Buckley's, like the last few years of Pat's, like I think it's, it's almost a bit like uh, Bucko's a soft manager, but I think He's had them playing really nice football for a long time, and they've been a consistently good team under under Liam Buckley. And like. he was a soft manager that won the cup and the league, so mm. I don't, I don't really get that because you can't have it both ways. This match is massive for Pats. I think they have to get three points in this, or else they are in serious trouble. These are the games you talk about getting the point against Bray. That's like I, I always talk about. The big games are someone at the top of the table you can play against them. There's not much hope on you, and you can go out and play really well and get away with it. But sides around you. Pats need to finish ahead of Drogheda. So I would, I'm going to put a, three, uh, a win for Pats on this, which I'm not overly confident with, but it's just such a big game for them. I, I thought Drogheda worked really, really hard against Galway. They're not a bad team, actually, to be fair. And he Killian has Brennan. them moving well, doesn't yeah. he, Pete? And they've and got the, in Brennan. the middle of the park. Purdy's doing well. Hyland's yeah. well, doing well. Like they're, they've got oh, yeah, I'm, uh, sorry, I forgot to mention this. Dan, we did our team earlier in the season of one club one player from each club uh, I've, I would have go back onto that again no but I would have if, I, if I'd known what I've known now which is I've seen him play once the boy Kane at left back for Drada is a terrific player now Kenny Cunningham I, mentioned yeah him, he looks he? A really really good and I'd have him ahead of Ian Birmingham actually because I Anthony I've seen him this season he hasn't had a great season but it's a massive game for Pats and I think they just might do it Damo I yeah. think uh, but I, I wouldn't be confident but I think they, they just they need to win this game they do. I mean, it's a must win. I, I mean, I'll go to draw for a bit of variety here. Um, I, but I think what you say about Drada and what they must have argued about Pats' home form has not been that inspiring. Yeah. Um, and Drada do work hard and I think they're capable of scoring in the match. You know? and they, they actually and this, have could, this could determine the, their home form for the rest of the season. I know I, you're putting a lot on it, but you lose a home to draw at a second round of games when you're bottom of the table. It could be doing. You're looking better. at the fixture list of your Pats and you're yeah, thinking, okay, yeah. two good results away, but then you I have to back it up yeah. here. Pats, like Pats are four points off seventh, six off, off the top half. I, too early to be I'm getting not saying, worried. We're not, no, I'm not saying they're done, yeah. but they're in the battle. It's, they're in the battle, yeah. definitely. And uh, as, as well, Drogheda against Galway were missing both Thornton and Killian Brennan, who would be two of their um, most talented players, and were still very competitive. Uh, and I was thinking of you, Demo, after the game, because Pete Mahan seemed relatively... Um, Serene, despite the fact they'd conceded a ridiculous goal straight yeah. after going two and up in injury time, he's like, ah, oh, it's just a he's relaxed. The roller yeah, I think he's mellowed in, uh, in his seventies. In his seventies, yeah. But in fairness to Pete, he's been like, you look at them this year; they're fit, they're getting around. Like he's got, he's, what he has done is brought in some good young players, and he's mixed it with some of the older players like Stephen Elliott and others around the dressing room. So I think he's done really well in terms of the likes of the Killian Brennan coming in and that. So fair play to Pete. He's, I thought they'd struggle, but they're they're giving it a really good go. And the final game is on Saturday, Limerick versus Derry City. And uh, having watched... What Derry like on Monday? I mean, <laughs> Derry are a funny outfit at the moment because the first half, they just totally bossed the game. But McAniff, like, couldn't get near him. He Se- missed the sitter, didn't he? No, he, no, they, they actually didn't have that many great chances. But just in terms of how the game, our midfield literally couldn't get on the ball. Nothing. Right. And, that, and we resorted to long balls. Uh, Derry passed the ball very, very well. 
but then just that lack of Patterson up front. Uh, and and also the centre of their defence, like it's just missing Ryan McBride. They they obviously have uh, Jarvis, who I thought was a very good left back. Anton, I've seen him. He's playing centre back now. Um, they had Monaghan playing in the middle, who was kind of functional. Uh, Josh Daniels got very frustrated in the second half. McNamee was dangerous, but didn't have a great game. They look like they're missing a leader, basically. Mm. Um, yeah. But they still have a lot of uh, a lot about them. Yeah, this, like they're playing Limerick on Saturday evening. Um, you know, it's sort of a nice you know, decent-sized pitch down there. You know, Derry, uh, I know Kenny Shields obviously complained about the pitch on Monday and even in some recent games. But they are a team that does have, they do have width potentially yeah. in their side, depending on what personnel he uses. Um, this could be a nice game for them, Derry. Derry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> potentially. So now you'd expect a reaction from Limerick to last week. And, and I don't know, sometimes you get the new manager comes in, you get that bounce for a couple of games. But then, I don't know, do you hit into limbo territory over what's happening here? Um, and maybe Derry have just got over the hump a small bit. Uh, Sounds like you're going away win, Dan. I nearly chance an away win here. Right. Again, I just I think... I'm going to go home win. You think? What's yeah. it, why you, why you I just think they'll... I think he got a good ground, like in terms of uh, bowling the mid, he got them recovered. They had a good bit of form. I think disappointing last week, but they'll get back on, they'll, they'll recover from that. I think they'll get good, they have decent home form. Um, so I think Derry are going to struggle with travelling in, in the second half of the season. So... I'm going to go home win. Yeah, it's a tough one to call. I think. It's probably the hardest game to call. It actually is. It's and I, I think Pat Strahada, Limerick, Derry, they're two difficult games to call. Like a lot of the games this season, really. You know, ah, yeah, there's just very little between a lot know, of teams. Definitely. A like. lot of guesswork, but we'll keep, we'll keep predicting. We'll keep guessing. Keep, what's your prediction, Johnny? Derry City. Yeah, Derry? Yeah, I, 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 I think Limerick just might... They were really, really poor against Ligo looking at it. I mean, it was a strangely bad performance like uh, defensively in that night. I still think Derry are a very good side. Like, uh, If this were earlier in the season, there'd be a lot more confidence behind them. And uh, I, th I think it's it's going to be an interesting end of the season for, for Derry because Kenny Shields' stuff on, in Terryland was a bit outlandish about the pitch and all He's that. Back, isn't he, with a, some, a few comments? He, uh, uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, th we should also just mention the first division fixtures. Uh, Shells playing at Lone Town. Cove Ramblers against Cabin Teeley, Wexford against Watford uh, in the South East Derby, and Longford Town against UCD. And that's it all, actually, for week two, apart from... Uh, we, sh we should mention that on Saturday. Well, we have a couple of things to mention. One, we now have a Snapchat account, which isn't really... Do you do, do, you do no, the old Snapchat? I don't then? do the Snapchat myself. Demo? No. No. And, and neither do you, Johnny. So no. it's, it's like a learning curve here for all of us. Um, do we need any more forms of social media? To I, don't even, I don't think we have enough. I think we can add Snapchat. Snapchat. I don't like, to be honest. I, I really, yeah. It's like you know, you can do like sort of five, ten second clips of like you can you could do a Snapchat of your Galway hooker on a Friday, Johnny. You know, for example. I'd love to see that just, just to, to prove that I had a hooker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 That's I'll, the way I'll, social I'll media is gone. You I'll know? do that. I'll do that. Um, it's voyeurism. Hopefully. Voyeurism. Oh. What? We should also mention, before, because I think we're coming towards the end, we should mention on Saturday as well, because uh, a lot of people will be interested in this. You have Darden under 17s are going to be playing on Saturday morning against England in the quarterfinals of the under 17 European Championships. Um, earlier today, as we're speaking, they had this unusual scenario where they lost 7 0 to Germany, they got absolutely done, and then they're on the pitch afterwards. And they hear that Bosnia have got a late 1-0 winner against Serbia, which was the only result, the only permutation that would have got the Irish team into the quarterfinals of the tournament. Unbelievable. So they now play England on Saturday. Um, if they win that, I think they qualify for the Under-17 World Cup later in the year. Um, now, England are pretty good. I think they beat Holland today. 
and I mean the English underage side at the moment are all very good actually SoundCloud and iTunes is where you'll find us at LY Weekly on Twitter and do keep your tweets coming in uh, sorry we didn't get to some of them this week we just had a bit of a packed show but uh, next week we'll be back and we'll uh, obviously encourage a lot of your questions then and I hope you enjoyed and we shall uh, talk to you again next week <laughs>